Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant and he made him overseer over his house and all that he owned he put in his charge. And it came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Okay, so Joseph ends up being sold to this bodyguard of Pharaoh, the Potiphar. And how do things go for Joseph? Good. Because? Yeah, God's with him. He becomes successful. Uh, Potiphar trusts Joseph more and more. And the Lord causes him to just do really well in everything that he does. Notice all. In verse 3, the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. In verse 4, all that he owned he put in his charge. In verse 5, uh, he was over all that he owned. In verse 6, he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. I mean, Joseph became the servant, the highest servant in Potiphar's house. He was in charge of everything. And actually, while Joseph was rising to this level in Potiphar's household, how were things going for Potiphar? Good. Yeah. Remember God's promise to Abraham? Those who bless you, I will bless. Well, I think that's what you're seeing here. Potiphar is blessing Joseph, and as a result, Potiphar and his family are being blessed. God is with Joseph. Very encouraging. God, Joseph's a long way from home. He's in Egyptian bondage, but that certainly doesn't limit God's presence and God's involvement. But Joseph suffers from one endowment too many. Not only is he capable, he's also handsome. And that leads into the next section. Comments and questions. Okay. Uh, 7 through 12. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in his house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Now then, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. How far? That's it. So, Mrs. Potiphar uh, wants Joseph. And she's very bold about that. Can you think of some reasons why it might have been tempting for Joseph to give in? Nobody would know. This is just going to be between him and her. And when she grabs him, nobody's in the house. Why else? 
I mean, he's, he's a grown man, and we know of no other sexual outlet for him. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is just natural. I mean, you know, God gave him all these uh, hormones in, in various uh, capacity. And, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. I mean, it'd be unnatural not to, you know, uh, give, give an opportunity for these things. You know, a lot of people today argue along that line. And uh, he's, he's, he was 17 when he was sold, so he'd probably be in his 20s, you'd think, by now. And, uh, you know, as a young man, he's got to, you know, have a desire. What else would have made it easy for him to have given in? He's in a different land where he doesn't really know anyone. And that could lead him to think he could get by with it. It could lead him to feel sorry for himself. You know, we often fall into sin when we feel sorry for ourselves. So it's almost like it's justifiable. I mean, after all, you think about everything that's happened to me. You know, how could you expect me to do any better? What else would have made it tempting or made it hard to resist? persistent? Yeah, she is. And she's just forever reopening the closed question. <laughs> you know, and just, you know, a lot of times, you know, sin kind of wears us down. You know, the temptation comes and it comes and it comes. After we resist so often, it's like, well, listen, how much would you give in and quit having to fight this constantly? <laughs> That's one of the devil's biggest tricks. Because giving in doesn't stop the fighting unless you just give in permanently. You know, it's not, you know, I, I, I've, I've thought before about some things. Well, you know, if I just give in, then I get it out of my system. Then I wouldn't be tempted anymore. Oh, no. It doesn't work like that. That'd be like saying, well, I might as well just go ahead and take these drugs, and that way I won't want them anymore. <laughs> no. Taking the drugs makes you do what? Crave them even more. That, the devil is, is a liar deluxe. I mean, he sells us some of those things that are absolutely false. What else could Joseph have, or what else could have made this a strong temptation to him? Well, Potiphar was a powerful man, and it is, I would assume that uh, as a powerful man, he probably had a beautiful wife. Could be. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a pretty good bet. Yeah. He's he's the servant to this master. She has given him instructions. That's right. Yeah. I mean, how could, you know, she didn't give him a choice. I mean, really, especially when she grabbed his coat, it's like, well, you know, hey, I've done everything I can to resist. Now I don't have any choice. You know, it's so easy to... You know, if you want to do wrong, there'll always be rationalization. There'll be circumstances that make it seem like, well, you know, it was just not the way. You know, under these circumstances, you couldn't, well, you know. And uh, so you've got all kinds of things that, and, and you can think of probably several more, that, that made this really tempting. What, what gives Joseph the ability to resist? That is the biggest thing. I mean, when he says, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? You know, he doesn't say, well, you know, we might get caught. You start arguing that way with Satan, and he'll trump you. He'll come up with some way that he'll, you'll be for sure you won't get caught. 
he says this is wrong. It's against God. I'll open a parenthesis right here <clears throat> because this was cool. Uh, Friday night, I went and heard Bill Hall uh, preach what he said was the first time he'd ever preached this sermon, but it was a great sermon. Uh, and I can describe it to you very briefly and uh, I think make a good point. He was talking about godliness. Godliness doesn't mean being like God. Godliness means, you know, fearing God, respecting God, having a God awareness at all times. So he developed that idea, and he had written on the board, a godly man thinks about God in times of, and he uses Joseph, he thinks about God in times of temptation. You think about what a difference that makes to think about God in a time of temptation. A godly man thinks about God in times of praise. And he meant by that when you are being praised, Joseph giving the credit to God when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. When you're praying, <coughs> a godly man thinks about, well, it's from God that I got this, it's not mine. A godly man thinks about God in times of adversity. He went to chapter 45 where Joseph saw that God had been with him and God was planning all this and so forth. You know, it may not look like it, but you know, a godly man sees that God is trustworthy. And then a godly man thinks about God in time, when, when it comes to time to die. Talk about, you know, what Joseph said about his bones and so forth and God would give him the land. And, and so that was just really cool. That's exactly right. That's godly people think about God in all these times. And uh, Joseph is a great example because he did. In all sorts of circumstances, I think you could probably add a couple more points to that list if you wanted to. You know, because it's hard to find a time in Joseph's life when he wasn't thinking about God, and he talks about it a good bit. Uh, so, he thinks about the Lord. What a helpful thing in trying to resist temptation is saying this would be a sin against God. We've got to see it that way. What else helps him to resist him? He refuses to be with her. Yes, did you notice that in verse 10? He did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. I mean, think about this. Would it have been wrong for him just to lay down beside her? I mean, that's not sinful to lay down beside somebody, is it? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see the rationalization yeah. we go through? Oh, well, you know, you're not doing anything. You know, it's like, wow. If you're trying to avoid certain sins, there are some things you just don't do. And I've, I've tried to talk about this a little bit more with like young people who are dating and things like that. There are some things that even are considered to be relatively innocent that young people do when they're dating that are dangerous. That's one of them. You know, laying down beside each other, you know, watching something on TV or whatever, covering up with the same blanket, you know, things like that. I think a lot of times we don't think of those as being all that terrible. But they're really unwise if you're trying to stay pure. You, know, you don't lie down beside this woman if you don't want to fall into temptation. I mean, that's just too easy. So he doesn't do it. He won't be with her. He won't lie down beside her. I mean, he is avoiding the things that would lead him into the sin. What else helps him resist? I think he had respect for Potiphar. He did. And, and you know, if you're being tempted to commit adultery, you need to respect the husband of the woman or, or, or the wife of the man. 
I mean, he recognizes he's been given a responsibility and he's got to discharge this responsibility in a trustworthy way. I think that was a very good reason. I think he, he sees this responsibility not as giving him a chance to sin, but as something he needs to discharge faithfully. What else? What else helped? Look at verse. Uh, look at verse nine. What else helps him in verse nine? What does he call this? Great evil. Doesn't that help if we properly? <clears throat> you know, you call sin what it is—a great evil—and it's much easier to resist it. What do we tend to do with sin? No big deal. And we euphemize it. We give it better names. You know, nobody ha nobody commits adultery anymore. We have an affair, or we're just being honest with our emotions. You're avoiding pretending anymore. You know, it sounds pretty good when you you know uh, you're not a drunk anymore. You're an alcoholic, or you know something like that, or maybe even something nicer. You know. Uh, you you uh, you 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 you're not aborting a child. You're just you know pro-choice. You know you're terminating an unwanted pregnancy. You know I mean the more you say things like that, the more it seems less less evil. You know, uh, and we do that with sin all the time. We may do that with with whatever sin we're being tempted with. We don't call it a great evil. We make it sound better by how we name it. The fact that he said this is a great evil, he just says it like that. Well, he wouldn't want to commit a great evil. And maybe also the fact that there is no qualifications, no reservations. He, he just says no. There is, there's no wiggle room in what he says. I mean, if we're going to resist sin, we say no. You know, nothing that gives any opening whatsoever. My comments and thoughts uh, on these things. You, you and St. Joseph struggled with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, struggling often might uh, indicate that you were uh, kind of uh, wanting to. Obviously, that's our euphemism, too. But, but you know, Joseph didn't have any struggle here, did he? He said, no. You, I don't take that Joseph was, oh, I, 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 I better not. But isn't that what we do with sin sometimes? You know, I, you know, I really want to, but, but, you know, my church won't let me. You know, or whatever. Wow. <laughs> that that's one one uh, small step on a downward slippery slope to committing the sin, isn't it? What else? Yeah, he he never. I think that is really good. He never let her think that he was going to give in. I mean, it, this, his whole demeanor was opposed to that. Mm -hmm. He said he said no first. He refused. And then he said to his master's wife all of this stuff as to why he was refusing. So, I mean, he, he didn't, I mean, think about 
if he had said that before refusing, you know, I'm the greatest one in this household besides your husband, uh, you know, and so she could have gotten her hopes up or, or whatever, but instead he said, no, <coughs> and then explained. He, he held a firm line the whole way through. He's a great example. Doesn't have the support of his family, foreign land. You know, he's been mistreated. You know, great opportunity if he was looking for this kind of an opportunity. And he resists. It can be done. We can be pure in a wicked world. That is inspiring. You knew a lady in Mayfield, Kentucky, and her name was Pearl. But she was she was an uh, older lady at that particular time. But uh, someone told the story about her working in an office and a man uh, at, uh, trying to advance toward her, and they they talked about her freight train look. Probably do it. She. She didn't leave any doubt about where she stood. So. Good point. Because you know, your look can sometimes say something different than what your words mean. You know, there's so many ways to invite temptation. You know, uh, I was in a situation one time talking with a guy, and, and uh, I, I had some conversations, and, and I began to notice sort of a pattern of just. Uh, different times when, when women would come on to him, you know, when, when women would, you know, just, I don't know, say inappropriate things to him, try to seduce him and so forth. And after some time and hearing some different scenarios and so forth, I began to think, you know, women don't generally do that with me. <laughs> you know, and I asked him, I said, you know, what are you doing? What are you saying? It's kind of opening this door, and sure enough, it's exactly right. There was another situation. This was in Brazil, and more recently, a younger man who was not married, who was dating, and he started telling about this girl at work. She was just coming on to him, coming on. He told me very situations, tried to get him alone. She just did different things, and 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 over a period of time, thinking, well, you know, eventually, you know, she'd probably get embarrassed by this, and so I just I said, listen, man. What are you doing? You're kind of flattered by her attention, aren't you? It's like, well, yeah, sort of. And the more it came out, well, good lad. You know, you you open the door and you do all these things. It's not a surprise. Now here, there are, you know, she keeps at it. You know, I'm not saying every time that's the case. But, but you know, there are plenty of times when we sort of invited, I mean, we didn't really say or do anything, but it was pretty obvious by looking at us that we were okay with getting some of that attention. So, she grabs him. You know, there's nobody in there. She's got the, the chance. She catches him by his garment and says, now is the time. And, and what does he do? He runs. Yeah. Better to lose a good coat than good character, you know. And, and you don't stay to, to, to dialogue with temptation. You don't flee, get out of there. Hey, wow, that's a dangerous situation. And he just, he just leaves. 
the way he leaves his book there is, it kind of reminds me of the advice people give when there's a fire in the house. You know, don't turn around and grab something. Just drop everything and get out. Yeah, because the fire is dangerous and it may be a limited time opportunity to escape. You know? Good point. Other comments? Do you think she might have set it up that none of the men were in the household? She might have. I don't know if there were some times when that would just happen naturally. I don't know. She, so I certainly think she made sure this was the situation <laughs> when she did this. Anything else? Well, 13 to 18. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to make a sport of us. He came in, came in to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and I screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to make sport of me, and as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now, isn't this interesting? She calls the men, and, you know, really uh, kind of blames her husband for bringing this Hebrew in to make sport of us, and appeals to racial prejudice. And she tells what happened, and she also tells uh, her husband when he comes home in 1718 what happened. You know, there's a lot of what she tells that's, that's, that's right. I mean, she tells about him coming there. She tells about uh, a scream. She tells about a garment that was left behind. She tells about him fleeing and going outside. You know, she almost tells the truth. <laughs> You know, most of those elements are sort of in that story. What 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 lies does she tell? About Joseph's intention. Okay, yes. Well, she has it turned around. How so? Well, she's, she was the one that was uh, 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 advancing toward him. She has him advancing toward her. Okay, that's true. Yeah, that's true. What else? She screamed, then he ran, instead of he ran, then she screamed. Yes, she reverses the order of events, which changes the whole meaning. You know, he runs before she screams, not after she screams. If, she, if he runs after she screams, that sounds like he's trying to force her. He ran, and then she screamed. That's a whole different story. Just a little difference in sequence right there. There's one other subtle difference that I think is quite uh, important. She mentions it in both. In 15 and in 18, there's a slight factual error. He left his garment. Yeah. Well, he left his garment beside her. Beside her. That is different than leaving the garment in her hand. See, if he leaves it beside her, it's like he'd taken it off because he was disrobing or whatever, left it beside her. The truth is, he didn't leave it beside her at all. 
She grabbed it off of him when it's all said and done. She had it in her hand. Very subtle differences, but it changes the whole idea of what happened. Now, you know, this is a false accusation. We know that. Um, but can you imagine the rumors that are flying? Whoa, with these kind of statements, you can just imagine what the scuttlebutt is about this Hebrew slave. So my question is, is there always fire where there is smoke? Is there always some truth in it? Isn't that what we say about rumors? Well, it may not be totally true, but there's got to be a grain of truth in that. Sometimes there is. Obviously, sometimes there is. But is it always true? No. Sometimes there are rumors. They're absolutely false. But there's no grain of truth in it at all. This is one of them. You know, did he sort of try to force himself on her? Absolutely not. The facts are totally the opposite of what she's implying here. So here's a case where there's smoke and absolutely no fire behind it. Don't believe rumors. Sometimes there's some truth in them, sometimes zero. You don't know. Comments and questions through uh, 18. In 14, when she says, see, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. Why is she... Why is she kind of like telling this? I'm assuming the men of the household are the ser other servants in the household. Why is she saying that? Or are these different? Well, obviously, calling him a Hebrew is going to make everybody look down on him. And I think she's trying to set up a context of where her husband feels like he's got to vindicate himself. You know, because he brought this Hebrew slave, and this is really all his fault. You know, he had no business bringing this kind of a guy in. You know, he should have known what would happen. And even for the servants to know that, they bring some pressure to bear on him. That'd be my statement. Yeah, she's drumming up support for exactly. her side. Yeah, exactly. He brought this Hebrew in to make support of us. Yeah. All you guys, too. <laughs> and they'd probably, uh, probably rather naturally be jealous of the fact <coughs> that he'd risen to power over everybody yeah. else. I would almost get the impression they would be looking at her like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably knew her. Exactly. <laughs> uh, some of them might have been the uh, object of uh, more successful attempts on her part. <laughs> oh, I have about 19 to 23. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, when she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So what does uh, the Potiphar do? Books with you. Yeah. That's what doing right will get you. 
mean, wow, isn't this demoralizing? First you get sold by your brothers. And then you refuse to sin with Mrs. Potiphar and her husband throws you in jail. Yeah, I'm just trying to do what's right. Exactly. <laughs> and he was. That is the truth. But tell you what, what's the use? You ever feel like that? I mean, why do I even bother doing what's right what's right if God's gonna treat me this way? Now, what do we know? The story. Which shows us that <clears throat> this is a step in the process of the plan of God. But how does he know that? It's so different for us when we read this story because we already know what's coming next. And so we read this and it doesn't bother us. After all, if you know the whole story, it doesn't bother you. You know what's going to happen. You know it's going to be a blessing. But you don't know those things when you're in the middle of it. And sometimes it takes a whole long time to ever see that. I don't know exactly the time frame here. But Joseph was sold at 17 and released from prison at 30. That's 13 years between slavery and imprisonment. I don't know the division. But, wow, that is so long to go with no light at the end of the time. I just think we have to think about it. You know, that 13 years, we have a hard time going 13 days, you know, with some sort of setback without deciding we've got to ditch God and try it some other way. You know, 13 years. And he has no clue it's only going to be 13 years. You know, have you ever found out, found it to be such a long way to get somewhere for the first time? Mm-hmm. You know, after that, it seems long. When you're going for the first time, you don't know how long it's going to be. Are we there yet? You know, after that, then you kind of have a sense of progress. But when you have absolutely no idea what the end's going to be, it seems like forever. And he continues to serve God in these circumstances. It is absolutely great that thoughts. I wonder if Potiphar even asked Joseph about what happened. Uh, I mean, I it, would, it would seem like that Potiphar liked him, so it would make sense that, you know, he would be upset, of course. I mean, who wouldn't be upset if that happened or what he thought happened? But it would make sense if he really liked him so much and put him ahead of everything that he would even ask him about some things, but instead he just got mad, so I don't know. Well, apparently Maybe. his wife is very persistent, so he probably wouldn't let it rest if he'd trying to do that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Seems like a mild punishment, I've always thought, but... <clears throat> Maybe he knows his wife, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that... We don't know that. May have been kind of a middle ground, you know, satisfy her but not kill her. That might be too. I don't know. Yeah, he wasn't exactly in that position. <laughs> what was he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> well, honey, I really don't believe you. <laughs> We're going to keep him around. Yeah, yeah. And that unless, wouldn't work, I don't think. Unless you've got more evidence. Yeah. 
so in jail, the Lord is with him still. And he ends up being responsible for the other prisoners because the Lord makes him prosper. So, you know, in subtle ways, you see the Lord is with him. Just not the way we would have had the scenario work. Right, anything else on 39? Well, God's not only with him, but again, knowing the end of the story, he's, he's perfecting him. He's honing him. And he's providing for us a wonderful model to help and inspire us. There's so many things the Lord does in this. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, Joseph, Joseph comes out of here strong. Sir. Just another random point. Since Potiphar was... Um, head of the king's bodyguard he had the ability to put Joseph in the jail where the king's prisoners were confined so that later on when the king put his prisoners in a jail it was in the jail that Joseph was in good point I mean he could have been thrown in any county jail you know southern Nile county jail whatever uh, and <laughs> instead of you know the king's jail and so, if he'd been an offender somewhere else, if he hadn't been sold to Potiphar of the king's bodyguard, etc., etc. Well, there are so many of these stories where you see so many points at which just a slight shift, and it would have never happened right. It would have never turned out this way. So you see how God is superintending things all the way along. It's fascinating to see that. Now think about this one. What would have happened if Joseph had given in to Mrs. Potiphar? They sure wouldn't have gone the way they did. He might not have got put in jail at all. And then, where would he have been when it came time to interpret the Pharaoh's dreams and all that? What you see is doing right did bless him. It just didn't look like it in the short run. You just see the grace of God you and, do. and the trust. Joseph had God. Even at the time, he would have had a clear conscience in, in this whole thing. Do, do, you, do you wonder what Potiphar thought when Joseph is let out of the prison and made second to prison? <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. Maybe he's passed on by then, I don't know. But yeah, a very good point. Uh, wow. Yeah, we always do the right thing. Let God take care of the results. They may not be what we're expecting. They may not seem right. God knows what he's doing. It may take a long time for us to see it, if ever. Just do what's right. Sir? Just if you would have given in to Potiphar's wife and gotten caught, I suspect the punishment would have been more severe than yeah. mere imprisonment in, in the king's jail. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And you know how that always, you give in to that, she can blackmail you for anything. That's right. You know, wow, it's horrible. I mean, sin just is a snowball. You know, one leads to another. And it just creates all kinds of terrible things. You know, it, it's always better to do God's will, even when in the short term it doesn't seem like it is. A worse kind of slavery. Amen. That's the truth. Any other comments or thoughts? I will perhaps assume we might as well stop here and not try to get into chapter 40.
tonight. Uh, but good, good discussion, good comments, good thoughts. Uh, we will try to work on chapter 40 and following next week. As I said last week, 